0: Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Once again, happy Canada Day. And hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM here in Toronto. Hi to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America, those of you who take the show with you on your mobile device via the Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps, Those of you who stream us on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet, those of you who stream us at ZoomerRadio.ca, those of you in our live chat, welcome. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Professor Mark Mirabello stays with us for Hour 2. We're talking secret societies and conspiracies, and uh, he is an author and professor of history at Shawnee State University. He served as a visiting professor of history at uh, Nizhny Novogorod University in Russia. I've butchered that pronunciation. (laughs) He's appeared on the History Channel discussing deadly cults in a series called Ancient Aliens and in America's Book of Secrets. And he has appeared with Professor Noam Chomsky in M.A. Littler's Maverick film on freedom, The Kingdom of Survival. And he is uh, currently uh, working on a book. The working title is Secret Societies and Conspiracies. You know, when we think of secret societies today, we think of sort of these innocuous fraternities, you know, the benevolent and protective order of Elks, uh, ro- almost like rotary clubs. When did we start to think of secret societies as uh, being something more sinister?
1: Well, actually, almost from the start. Now, I should mention that um, it goes back and forth. For example, at one time in the United States, uh, around 1900, 25% of all men were involved in some fraternal organization, and which is stunning. And, and, in fact, when you get to the 1950s, you get, I don't know if you remember, probably you're too young for this, but the Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason.
0: Oh, yes, uh, in reruns, I remember. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he used to be involved with, the, I think it was the Order of Raccoons, and they would poke yes. fun of the grand mystic master, and the secret codes, and it becomes laughable. But in fact, uh, see, the trouble is, and this is where the persecution comes from, and they're, they've always been attacked, if you go way back at any time. Um, uh, when you have an exclusive group who they have secrets among themselves, uh, they're kind of an enclave subculture. They're going to be harassed by outsiders at some level. In fact, that's actually the root of anti-Semitism, because the Jews were perceived as this separate group. And yes. people said, well, why are you not intermarrying with us? Why are you having, you're not eating our pig meat." And they've been periodically had pogroms against them. In fact, it's pre-Christian. They, they were happy among the ancient Greeks and so forth. So any group, and the, the Romani, better known as the Gypsies, they've been ha- endlessly harassed in their history, uh, because they're a separate group. The, the Tinkers, uh, the tra- also called Travelers in Ireland, they wander around like the Romani, the Gypsies, and they've been harassed. So because they're exclusive, um, it causes rage. Now, during the French Revolution, there were actually books published by a Scottish minister and a French scholar, claiming, again, you mentioned the earlier question, uh, that the uh, Masons were behind these revolutions that were occurring, for example, in France and America. That's where the the original charges come from. So it's right from the start. And uh, incidentally, there's a great story. Again, I'm sorry, I tend to run on, I know, so sorry about this, but there's a great story. Uh, masons tend to, some of them, not all, connect themselves to the Templar legends of the Middle Ages, and the story is that uh, 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 Jacques de Molay, who was the last grand mason, was burned alive. The story is, while he's being set on fire, a horrible death, he'd been tortured previously. They ripped flesh off his legs and stomach uh, while he was alive. He uh, called upon the king of France and the pope at the time who had attacked the Templars, uh, this in the 14th century, to answer before God within a year. And both men were indeed dead within a year. And then fast forward to the 18th century. There's a story, again, modern historians don't discuss it. They kind of ridicule it, that hundreds of thousands of people, this part is true, showed up to see the execution of Louis XVI, the King of France. He's taken to the site of execution in a dung cart that's used to haul manure. Mm. He's made to mount 13 steps to the guillotine. It's painted dark red, the color of dried blood. He was placed in the guillotine. The blade fell. Uh, and then there was this cheer as the blade fell. And then a groan. When the head comes off and then the executioner lifts the head by the hair, and in decapitation, the head continues to move, the facial expressions. He says, behold the head of a traitor. And the story is a kind of silence when they saw the head of the king. And then someone shouted Jacques de molay we have a thee. Now incidentally, that's why a lot of Masons connected the Templar legends. And it continues the war on kings and churches. Uh the idea that the Pope and the King of France destroyed the Templars and they went underground and formed a secret society that later got revenge. Now uh, so I think there's some amount of truth to this. Now another oddity most people don't realize, um, and again interrupt me if I tend to go on too long. Um, the uh, all modern revolutions, so-called since 1776, have been basically atheist and anti-monarchy in nature, but especially godless in nature. Uh, the Americans have never been a Christian nation. A lot of people have become Christian. I mean, are Christians? But God never really appears in the Constitution, although there is a reference to the year of our Lord at the bottom. Um, Now, oddly enough, the Confederate Constitution has God and slavery and free trade, but not the American. And every revolution, Russian, Chinese, French, has been opposed to the church, churches, religion. One modern one is the exception. That's the Iranian Revolution. Look how we're opposed to that. So right. I think there's the no right. truth
0: in this. Um, now, I wanted to get back to the Masons for a second, because you mentioned the number 13, uh, 13 steps that uh, Louis XVI had to climb. What is what is the significance of 13? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's particular to Masons, but maybe other secret societies as well. What is it about that yeah, number?
1: That that, that that pops up all over the place. It's quite intriguing. Uh, which is also curious because my, my name has 13 letters.
0: <laughs>
2: so,
1: uh, and uh is the 13th letter of the alphabet, so I mean, it's, it's like I'm tying this. It appears to be, um, this is the theory, because you have Jesus and the 12 apostles and so on and so forth. Uh, typically there's a leader with 12 followers. Uh, if you make balls of any size, uh, 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 pool balls, the ping pong balls, the soccer balls, it takes 12 balls of equal size to hide one of the same size, and it's always 13. So we think that's the significance. And by the way, regarding M, which is always a mystical letter, in ancient Egypt, it's symbolized by the owl, which is the creature of the night. In legend, it could even see by day, it could only see by night. Uh, and you, you say M with the lips closed. Hence, it symbolizes secrecy. So um, um, this, again, is probably what the reference is to.
0: You say that, well, you quote, actually, Manfred Adler from the Freemasons in the Vatican, that 90% of the secret news is transmitted via the media, in particular the press, by using, quote, coded texts and pictures. Uh, What did uh, Adler mean by that?
1: Well, in fact, I think he may have gone a bit high on the number, but it's, he's clearly on the money. Once you're aware of it, you'll see uh, powerful political figures and so forth. Uh, watch how they shake hands with another leader. Watch where they hold their hands during the photographs. Uh, again, every the, where you place your hand uh, can indicate a secret. Now, rather curiously, Bill Clinton... Would endlessly at public speeches, although they never tended to show it, he would flash what to pious Christians are the horns of Satan. It's when you extend your index finger and your little finger and you make a fist.
0: Right, he, George I mean, Bush speech. used to do that too, George W. Bush, and he said, "No, that was that was he was uh, showing his support for Texas at A and M University."
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, what's really curious is that so-called horns of Satan also mean in sign language, for the deaf, I love you. So ah. you could argue... Remember, I said earlier, I think, perhaps I did but in secret society lore, there's always plausible deniability. Right. Uh, in other words, if someone catches you in doing something, you could always say, well, no, that just means, like you said, uh, Texas Longhorns, or I love you. Probably in the case of Bill Clinton, he was probably saying, I love you. There were some pretty girls in the front row.
0: <laughs> no doubt.
1: <laughs> so... Uh, um, but it, this, if you if you watch them carefully, you know what's going on. I receive tests, examinations, and college classes where the student will sign his name in such a way that he makes a capital A look like a compass. Uh, he's hmm. sending me a message. He's a Freemason. Cut me a break. Uh. Uh, and I remember looking at a property that I didn't purchase, but when I went up to see it, the builder, he gave me a third-degree... Uh, Mason handshake. Now, of course, I was younger and less, uh, shall we say, less serious then, so I gave him one back, even though I'm not a Mason. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was hoping for a deal on the property. I wouldn't do that today. I know too much about this. But I was hoping for a deal on the property at the time. Incidentally, I, I don't know if he made the same thing, but Charles Manson, the United States, in the 1969 murders. Yes. Um, he endlessly made Freemasonic gestures in the courtroom. Oh, he was on I trial. I
0: didn't know that. I didn't know that.
1: And uh, he clearly was not a Mason. He just knew what they were. And he was kind of playing with the judge and the prosecuting attorney. But um, he was doing it constantly. But back to your original point, these political figures, once you know what they are, and there's there's endless number of gestures you can make. How you stand, how you shake hands, how you wave to a crowd. Uh, that reminds me, Richard Nixon got in trouble in the 1950s. He was in Brazil and caused a riot because he made what Americans think of as the OK sign. Yes. Well, in Brazil, and oddly enough in Germany, that's a grotesque insult. You're essentially Ah. calling the people female genitals.
0: Okay, all right it caused, it caused <laughs> I'm a making a note of that. I'm making a note of that. <laughs> uh, but, so what is the purpose then of of political leaders flashing these signs if I, I mean who are they flashing them to and to what what are they trying to communicate?
1: Well, uh, I should mention uh, again that with especially the male groups in particular, we forget there's an element of play within all secret societies, typically. It's boys having fun. And um, uh, there used to be a group in uh, 17th century England called the Bugle Boys, and their secret password was oatmeal. Um, there are reports, again, this will probably change because they're now admitting women in skull and bones. They actually were forced by courts to do this, curiously enough, and it will almost certainly stop. There were reports that Skull and Bones, uh, the initiates, had to lie naked in a coffin yes. and detail all their sexual activities from, frankly, masturbation and prep school on. Now, again, I don't think they'll do that with the women present. There are also reports that the Skull and Bones, uh, as part of their ordeals, robbed graves of skulls. And there have been reports they have Geronimo, President... I think Dan that was German, Prescott
0: Bush, Prescott Bush, who attended Yale. Was supposed yep. That was the legend, that he, he went to Oklahoma and he stole Geronimo's uh, skull.
1: Exactly. And he almost certainly did. Although the press laughs at it. The New York Times ran a story about the lawsuit. One of Geronimo's descendants filed a lawsuit to get it back. And the New York Times, again, denial and ridicule. What kind of crazy thing is this? And by the way, there's another element. When you make the initiations really crazy, it gives plausible deniability. A uh, lot yes. of people can't imagine George Senior or George Junior, or uh, you know these other characters, William Howard Taft, lying naked in a coffin talking about their sexual history, and they say, you know, this can't be true, um, but it is. So again, with your original question, I think the reason they're flashing these symbols is not only to show um, that they're in these groups, but it's kind of ha ha, and also people in the audience. There's a special sign of power. You see this powerful person is in your group, and it's, it it tends to endorse the whole situation for them.
0: Now you mentioned Skull and Bones, and you mentioned President Taft and and Bush and John Kerry and George W. Bush were both Yale students, both Skull and Bones members. I think at the same time, of course, they would uh, they would face off against each other in the uh in the two thousand uh election or was it two thousand and four. Two thousand and four, I think. Yep. Uh and uh you know there was some question as to whether John Kerry actually won Ohio, won Florida, uh but then he just kind of he just lay down and he didn't contest it. And everyone said, not everyone, but those of us that are sort of conspiracy minded, I suppose said ah that goes back to their Skull and Bones days. They're both really playing on the same team. That's why John Kerry didn't contest it. I mean, what what is the purpose of Skull and Bones? I mean, is it like the Masons, where it's about power? Is it's about getting ahead? It's about you know helping one another within that within that society to succeed?
1: Well, in fact, uh, in some respects, they seem to be more, uh, at least in the United States context. Um, more, I don't want to use the word sinister, but uh, the kind of curious traits. Um, what's curious about Skull and Bones, there's only been 2,500 members in this entire history, number one. And again, they produce several presidents already and candidates, Supreme Court justices and so forth. Uh, number two, they draw all their members from roughly 30 families, typically. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the same. Uh, that's why you have these Herbert Walker Bush names. They have, these are families they're inbreeding over and over and over again. Um, when Prescott Bush got married, he married probably one of the wealthiest men, the daughter of one of the wealthiest men in the United States at the time. That's the Herbert Walker stuff. Right, Um, right. And, and by the way, there's... uh, I should mention this. Remember I said element of play. Um, Secret societies are not really controlling everything, but they're often playing with the world. And it's often... um, in, in fact, sometimes it seems as if the powers that rule are intentionally sabotaging the planet. Um, it's really obvious what the problems are, but instead we discuss trivial issues. Uh, typically, now again, it's not trivial if you're if it directly impacts you. So don't get me wrong. But if you notice in the media, it's always basically just some social concerns like who gets to use which bathroom and who gets to get married when we have these enormous national right. debts, and we have wars, and we have just extreme uh, squalid poverty. One of the most eye-opening experiences in my own life was in 1983 when I was offered a job at the University of Liberia. This was soon before the Civil War, so I was lucky I didn't take it. I was stunned as a young man the extent of the poverty in Monrovia. I mean, it was not what I expected because the way the media covers the third world, you typically see some restaurant or hotel or main street. And um, I saw human bodies in the street covered with flies. I saw people living in squalid makeshift shelters. So um, it it seems as if the world rulers are are intentionally sabotaging us. And incidentally... um, Regarding this, again, not to go on endlessly, but uh, the British Empire, for example, governed their African colonies in World War One, World War II era with essentially 1,200 people on the ground. They were governing a couple million square miles and millions of people with 1,200. They called it indirect rule. And the way it worked is you control, the British did this intentionally. Uh, Lord Lugard suggested it. You control the tribal elite. The tribal leaders. You pay them, give them some fake uh, title, and they, they control the underlings for you. And I think that's what's happening, if this is all what's happening. Uh, Bush and people like this, uh, junior and senior, they're clearly not these great intellects. George Bush Jr. was a C student in college. He's a tribal leader. There's someone higher than these guys controlling everything.
0: Right, they're the soap Um, salesmen, basically.
1: Yes, yes. And in return for um, keeping the rest of us in line and sabotaging us, these faceless... um, uh, By the way, that's actually called synarchy. Uh, It's when the leaders are controlled by invisible puppet masters. Now, the debate is, who are the puppet masters? They range anywhere from... You have David Icke saying they're reptilians to you have uh, Carol Quigley, who was one of Quig, uh, Clinton's professors, of all things.
0: Yes, at Georgetown,
1: professor. yes. Yes, and he quoted him as inog- when he was nominated, which is kind of curious. Uh, Quigley discussed an Anglo-American elite behind all this, again, hidden ones that are not in the news. Uh, and I've always found it curious. The people in the news are, frankly, just these non-entities. They may be rich, or they may be celebrities, but they're not really that important.
0: It All right, help. we'll take another time out here, Mark. Uh, we'll come back, and I, I want to talk about uh, the Anglo-American elite, and maybe was Quigley talking about ultimately uh, Adam um, or Cecil Rhodes and these these roundtables that he supposedly set up. Uh, Is that the root of this uh, power, the the, the root of this conspiracy, the ultimate secret society? Back with more of our conversation uh, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
1: Don't be afraid. The Conspiracy Show
0: with Richard Sarath welcome back mark Mirabello is with us Wow what a an amazing discussion and uh, w- I wanted to ask you about uh, Cecil Rhodes and these round tables the ultimate secret society some say and, and uh, Rhodes made uh, untold uh, an untold fortune vast uh, wealth from diamonds in South Africa and supposedly um, set up this well, this round table that, uh, was designed to ensure, you know, that the British elite would rule the world, and, uh, these round tables are kind of like secret societies, hidden within secret societies, almost like Russian dolls. And, and was that what Quigley maybe was referring to?
1: Yes, exactly. By the way, I should mention that I was actually nominated for a Rhodes Scholarship and did not get it, so I'm kind of poisoned against it. But, uh, wow. this is when I was an undergraduate going to graduate school. But it does seem to be... And by the way, the Rhodes Scholarship is rather curious. As you mentioned, his diamond fortune. Uh, uh, oddly enough, the the boy who was herding goats that found the first huge diamond, his reward was to... He got to keep the goat. Oh. And that's how the real world works. And then others made fortunes. With today's money, billions of dollars. Now, Quigley, um, again... Now, this would be the roundtable group. There's no secret handshakes. They don't go through initiation. According to Quigley, they just recognize a certain elite, and they control what's going on across the world, or at least trying to. Uh, one of Rhodes' uh, goals was to restore the British Empire, although he couldn't have predicted that Winston Churchill would ultimately destroy it, uh, because he kept Britain in the war and basically bankrupted it. Um and um, of course, if you're in the third world, you you say this is great because you got your freedom. The British Empire, the French Empire, the Dutch Empire, Portuguese Empires are the last to go. Um, but um, there does seem to be uh, this powerful English-speaking, um, uh, originally British. It seems like the Americans are now the senior partners, but some have suggested it's actually the British controlling the Americans that were just basically reminds me of, of one of those i guess it was the second the mad max or road warrior films where there's this massive giant and he's got a dwarf on his back telling him what to do who yes, has brain yes. uh that's probably what the united states is somebody's controlling the america to cause all this mischief around the world
0: but sort of the uh, idea that uh, after king george the Third lost the colony they've been doing everything they can since then to get it back and and um you know, some look at the, the Kennedy assassination, for example, as uh, as an attempt by the, the British elites to take over the the executive branch.
1: And by the way, the Kennedy assassination is interesting too, because um, now again, again, I'm talking about beliefs, not facts here. I don't want people to think I'm trying to, to you know, undermine everything here. But um, two presidents have issued money outside the banking system and both of them were shot in the head in public lincoln and
0: kennedy yes uh yes.
1: that does seem to be a remarkable coincidence if you go to the conspiracy museum down in dallas they try to claim he was killed because he was again issuing money outside the federal reserve system which he did and then when johnson gets in he got he withdrew that that currency that kennedy had issued with executive order um and by the way, LBJ was just an odd, that's an odd character himself. But
0: I'll say, um, I'll say.
1: Although Kennedy, now if we talk about playing with the world, he often seemed like just a frat boy having fun. I mean, he was having about eight or nine mistresses simultaneously while he was in the White House. He's fooling around with Sam Giancana's girlfriend. Now, he was the head of the Chicago mob.
0: Yes, and this was S- who Peter stuffed ballot Campbell boxes for him. <laughs> Sorry, who supposedly Sorry. stuffed ballot boxes at Joe Kennedy's behest to win Chicago?
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, and by the way, you touch a girlfriend of a, or wife, or daughter, or sister, or whatever, a mobster—that's the death penalty. And mm. Kennedy was killed with an Italian vintage rifle, which is interesting. Ordered by mail, uh, 1995 plus shipping,
0: <laughs> and I
1: mean it's. Um, again, there's just so many people who would have been willing to kill Kennedy. Uh, he ordered three weeks before his own death. He had the president of South Vietnam murdered. That's not what uh, known. The guy was a Roman Catholic in a Buddhist country, and he was causing trouble. So the United States decided he had to go, and we killed him and his brother. And then Kennedy is killed uh, three weeks later. Is this connected? So, so um, uh, all of Give these. Uh, oh, go ahead.
0: Sorry. Oh, I was going to say something about Kennedy and that famous speech about, you know, uh, being opposed to secret societies. What was he referring to in that speech? Some say, I think that was delivered to the National Newspaper uh, Publishers Association. Some say he was talking about communism, but others say he was talking about something, uh, something else.
1: Well, by the way, you've really done your research. You know this stuff. Well, of course you have a TV program, radio, I guess, that makes it. You know your stuff. Uh, Thank you. He was indeed talking to newspaper men. Uh, the Freemasons typically in their work say he was referring to criticizing the CIA and so forth. Although, I don't think so. Uh, again, he was kind of naive, Kennedy was. He was a rich kid. Now, his father, Joe Kennedy, was a smart one. That's who builds the fortune. And he did so with gangland ties. Mm-hmm. He was involved in various types of gun running and, and prohibition stuff. And he made the fortune, and Joe Jr. was supposed to be the guy who was going to take over with Joe Kennedy, but he's killed as a test pilot in World War II, and a horrible death. So they, they dusted off John Kennedy, who was just a partier, and he was the choice uh, for the family. So, But we forget, again, it's really curious, because Americans often view the Kennedy family's, uh, family as an elite They're from poor Irish stock. And one of the points that Joe Kennedy Sr. was making was, uh, he wouldn't be invited to Beacon Hill activities and so forth. That's the rich neighborhood of Boston. But now my son can become president and I can become ambassador to to Britain. So, um, but they're, they're outsiders. That, that could be why he's killed because they're not really. In fact, not only were two of the brothers killed, you, you get the, um, there's another type of assassination. Kennedy, Ke- Teddy Kennedy had that. You destroy someone's reputation. And someone suggested the Chappaquiddick was a setup. Because again, he had a drinking right. problem. And you just put him in with a pretty girl and have him drive off the bridge. Um, and too bad if the girl dies. Um, but there are ways to assassinate without actually killing someone.
0: Right, I think Watergate was that exactly. Watergate was a, exactly. another form of assassination. Um, we of, just have a. We haven't touched on um, the nine types that you say. Generally speaking, there are nine types of secret societies. Can we start to go through the, and get to as many of those as we can in the time that remains?
1: Well, it may eat up a lot of time, but what I'm really trying to do with that part, and that'll probably appear in the book is go through and, and discuss how... See, I'm trying to send the message that everybody seems to think that all secret societies must have certain traits. And I'm trying to discuss how there can be a wide variety of differences. Um, one of the most common questions I would receive, often from, from students that even... I get all kinds of emails and in the old days letters. I worked on this group called the Odin Brotherhood I first encountered when I was in Scotland. And people would say, well, if it's a secret society, why have I heard of it? Well, some groups are publicly known, and others publicly denied. Uh, for example, the Sicilian Mafia. Originally, it's kind of broken down now, but they would deny that the Mafia even existed. Right. Although everybody in the towns knew who the Mafiosi were. Uh, and uh, and by the way, they have an interesting way of identifying. We talked about Freemasonic uh, one mafia man would introduce: if he says, "This is my friend," it means you're an ordinary person. And if he says to another mafia man, "This is our friend," it means you're in the mafia.
0: But mm. yes, if you
1: want to go <laughs> through these, we can. But I was trying to illustrate again how wide the um, uh, the diversity among these groups: some hide in the open, some obscure what they're all about. So it's 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 pretty diverse.
0: Right, right. Uh, and some you say, uh, the existence of the group is known, but the membership and the objectives of the organization are secret. Uh, and, and the example for that you give is the Hellfire Club. And Benjamin Franklin was a member of the Hellfire Club. They were kind of modeled on, well, uh, I guess this was, this predates obviously Aleister Crowley, but their whole sort of MO seems to be, you know, do what thou will. That is the whole yeah, of the law, right? Be- if it feels good, do it.
1: Yes, and they took that from Wavale, uh The 16th century French writer who wrote a satirical piece. He had a, uh, an abbey that was the model of the Abbey of Taleb, do what you will. Now, um, what's interesting about Franklin, um, in the 1990s, I think it was 1999 or 97, they were doing some construction work in London. Of course, everything in London is an archaeological site so you need permits. When uh Franklin was living in London as an ambassador and a diplomat, he lived at a—I can't remember the address number. It was on Craven Street, and they discovered under the house when they were doing some reconstruction. Ten, I think with ten human corpses. Yes. Um, yes. And six were children. And I was stunned. This was about a year ago on PBS in America, which is public broadcasting. They were advertising they were going to do a story on this. And I was just stunned, thinking, my God, they're finally going to do serious work. And they spent the whole program trying to blame a surgeon who rented into the house at the same time. Now, the skeletons were dated to the 18th century by forensics, and although that's kind of an educated guess. And it, they appeared to be, have been um, uh, surgically cut up. And the, the program suggested they were dead bodies.
0: Not right so the right so but the doctor so had hired grave robbers. Oh it is it's very and, curious. And is that a commercial break coming there? Yeah we you 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 uh you've got that right. We've got the music percolating up so we'll take a time out come back and uh maybe we can touch on a few of the other types the nine general types of secret societies. Uh Mark Mirabella with us. Stay tuned. is listening and so are you to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett All right, welcome back. Let's grab a quick call for Mark Mirabello. Melanie is checking in from Toronto. Melanie, good morning.
2: Phenomenal show as usual. Um Thank What you. I'd like to say is uh, a lot of these secret societies, is there a possibility that they started out trying to help the helpless uh, citizens of their country or their area where they lived or, you know, whatever. But uh, what happens is that they're infiltrated then by those who see that, okay, these people are set up for good these secret societies, but then they're infiltrated by evil and they get corrupted and become evil themselves. For example, in government and policing and in Europe, Eastern Europe, they had what they called the Kozakia, which were in Russia and Ukraine, and they had the flag of Michael the Archangel as their protector. And they were always trying to do good for those that were being, uh, you know, brutalized by the uh, by those that were the lords and the princes and, and the tsars. And uh, what is your opinion on that? Do you believe that everything can start out as something good for those that are the underdogs in society and then turn out to be infiltrated by those that seize that power once that group gets trust from the common man?
1: Well, in fact, there's a concept in Indo-European religions in general that as things age, they become corrupted. And this, so again, it is a possibility that as the time goes on, they lose track of the original function. Right. Although, uh, and I, again, I want to make it clear, I'm not trying to say that these groups are necessarily evil. It's, in fact, frankly, the advice I would give anyone who's alarmed by secret societies, rather than be alarmed and attack them, join one. Uh, because the, the whole world is a rigged game. And uh, we like to think that the best person gets the best job, that the best student gets the best scholarship, but that's not how it really works.
2: Yeah. For example, is that why we're seeing a lot of people who are financially uh, stressed, who cannot get the justice in the society that they deserve, while somebody with money does get it? I mean, uh, I was really flabbergasted when you mentioned about, you know, judges and police and belonging to that. I never thought of that. But could that be destroying the country and rotting it from the inside? Don't they realize that they're going to kill the goose that lays the golden egg, which is us, the citizens that work and and trust them and, and hope that they're going to do the right thing for us?
1: Well, one thing I say, in this one book is referred to, Handbook for Rebels and Outlaws, the function of every government ever since the establishment of agriculture and civilizations, not necessarily hunters and gathers, was to keep people with power in power. Now, even though this often impacts the poor uh, and the, the powerless, it's, it's just the way it's always been, from ancient Rome, Babylon, Syria, Samaria, Egypt, to even modern democracies. Uh, the United States produces 50,000 PhDs a year. Why are the same people getting appointed to cabinet positions over and over and over
0: again? Thank and you for the way, call, Melanie. Uh, Mark, Have uh, a blessed uh, evening. Thank you. Happy thank Canada you. Day.
1: Uh, by the way, um, everybody realizes, we've known this for years, that wars impoverish countries. There's no doubt about it. They make them poor. But every war will enrich a small elite who are positioned within the society, either in the politics uh or in the economy, and that's why we continue to fight wars. Uh they will enrich somebody. In fact, World War One, which the United States was just briefly involved in, created several thousands of new millionaires. Um, and uh this is how the real world
0: works. We just have a, a few minutes left and and I, I wanted to touch on some of the other uh, nine types of secret societies and and one you identify as the second type you say the group and its membership are public knowledge but all meetings are private and its real objectives are camouflaged with platitudes and you say this describes the Bilderberg group the club of Rome the Bohemian Grove and the trilateral commission the Bilderbergs of course uh, every year you know they meet at a five star hotel somewhere and the, the the list is a who's who of uh, financiers and industrialists and politicians, the Queen of the Netherlands, even media moguls are there, even journalists are there, and they don't report on what's happening. Should we be concerned about the Bilderberg Group? Well, again,
1: um, at one level I want to say yes, but again I want to answer this. Since there's a, there was a, a, a best-selling work published in 18th century Naples on a popular card game, and how to win it, and when the first line of the book was, to win at this game, first try to see your opponent's cards. In other words, cheat. No matter what we do, if we were to uh, raid the Bilderberg group with police forces and arrest that whole crowd, the Trilateral Commission, all these groups, um, others would replace them. It's the nature of the beast. People forget that human societies, this is not my idea, show insect-like characteristics. They tend to follow these queen bees, and they follow what they're supposed to be doing. It's sad, but, uh, if you try to rebel against the system, like I would not suggest someone going on a campaign to try to burst into a Bohemian gro- uh, Grove meeting, or a Bilderberger meeting, they'll arrest you and prosecute you and they'll throw the book at you. The best thing is, is to play the game. Uh, join one yourself.
0: All right, we'll take another time out. One segment remains with Mark Mirabello here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Follow the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Mark, this might sound like a strange question, but... Could you do you think you could consider NASA to be a secret society? Uh, you know, some joke that the acronym stands for never a straight answer, and they have all of these cryptic names for space programs and so forth. And some see sort of a dual meaning or an underlying meaning with some of the names. You know, the Apollo program, the Gemini program, etc. What do you think?
1: In fact, oddly enough, a independent researcher named Jody Freeman just asked me a question recently. <laughs> synchronicity on this particular issue, um, the whole American and, frankly, general space programs, they have so many curiosities about them. They, there seems to be something going on, um, and I, I'll almost certainly discuss this in, in the forthcoming book. Um, the, um, and the problem is, for example, the United States has two space programs. Both people don't realize the more important one is run by the Air Force. They launch in California. That's where all the secret satellites go up. Um, And another interesting point on all this is we've known since the 1950s that anyone who controls the moon controls the planet Earth. Because if you send a nuclear warhead towards the moon, it could be easily intercepted, and you need a sort of Saturn V-sized rocket to get it there. But if you're on the moon, you could actually launch rocks from the moon. The escape velocity is only about 6,000 miles per hour, because there's no atmosphere, no friction, weaker gravity, and they could launch rocks with rockets and pummel a city anywhere on the planet. So Hmm. whoever controls the moon controls Earth. Fascinating. There's something going on there.
0: Uh, Sorry. No, I was just going to ask you, this is something very curious that you point out, and that is that Area 51 is the size of Jamaica. What's that all about?
1: Yes, there's another mystery. Is uh, Whenever they discuss in the popular media any significant issue, they always leave out the most intriguing part of the story. Why is that so large? Um, and they do this with every issue that's been uh, revealed. Uh, everyone's heard a million times about Nagasaki. How many people realize that the plutonium that destroyed Nagasaki was three inches in diameter? Mm-hmm. That's how horrible wow. these weapons are. You could you could smuggle a warhead that could destroy a city in a lead suitcase with diplomatic uh, passports. Diplomatic passports allow means they can't be searched. Right. Uh, we're watching the sky for nuclear North Korea uh, missiles coming, in. that's ridiculous. They could smuggle stuff more easily. Now right. again, Area 51 becomes the center of anywhere from there are aliens there uh, to um, top secret weapons. It's a it's a mystery. What exactly is going on? Um, It's completely independent of regular American law. The they cannot be. Oh, here's the most interesting part. If you they'll arrest you, even shoot you if you try to penetrate it. But notice they don't use federal officers to guard it. They hire Mm. private security. There's a reason for that. Um, There are the American Constitution restricts what police forces can do. There's no restriction on what a private security guard can do in the American Constitution.
0: Ah, and why the size of Jamaica?
1: That's a good question. I don't really have the answer. It just strikes me as unbelievable that it's that large. Uh, It it indicates there's something more going on there than we think. Uh, And as to what it is, um, I'm not certain.
0: All right, let's grab a call here. David is calling from Vermont. David, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning.
1: Yeah, hi, Richard. Hi, Mr. Mirabella. Yeah, I used to live near uh, the tomb uh Skull and Bones uh, in New Haven, Connecticut. I live not too far, work not too far from there. What is the protocols of that place, uh, the Skull and Bones Society? What is their final uh, agenda? Again, it's not altogether clear. Uh, it's interesting there are no windows on the building. Yep. We do know that Skull and Bones is, is heavily endowed. Uh, in fact, when members join, they receive money. You know, they're wealthy, and the legend is a grandfather clock. But what the agenda is, I think it's just about a select group of families wanting to uh, control what's going on. Uh, Wilbur Mills. Uh, wrote a work from the 1950s, but it's not dated, called The Power Elite. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how the, and he says there's one on the East Coast of the United States and one on the West Coast, with the East Coast most significant. The The elite, they all get law degrees, typically. They yeah. have, they're appointed to boards of trustees and hospitals, businesses, universities, the mm-hmm. same people. And again, it's all about wealth and power. And... Um, uh- do you believe that some of these people are, um, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, of reptilians? Well, again, that's a David Icke idea, who's a well-known British conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I've,
2: I've heard uh, of him, yeah.
1: Uh, and, in fact, there's two spins on that. One is uh, Icke claims that they're um, from another world, and they've inbred with humans producing hybrids. Uh, There's another theory that's been proposed that, in fact, that the dinosaurs, sounds rather curious, never died out, continued to evolve, and now they basically can shape, shift, and have telepathic abilities. Um, um, It is curious. uh, Just one more uh, quick question, if I can. Yeah, just a quickie, if I can, sir. I appreciate it. Um, Is it true that we've been to Mars, and uh, is that a true story? Well, again, that reminds me of another conspiracy theory called Alternative 3, which first popped up in the 1970s. And Alternative 3 is that the ruling elite has known for decades that the planet is doomed, um, that we're all going to die. And Alternative Mm -hmm. 1 was they tried nuclear testing in the atmosphere to somehow change conditions to save the planet, but it failed. Alternative 2 was they constructed tunnels or to like, like basically Noah's Ark in the ground, or the yeah. similar story you find in the Iranian legend of how they build an underground shelter when there was a freeze in Iranian religion before pre Muslim Zoroastrianism. And that failed. By the way, that could be what's going on at, at, um, Area 51, all kinds of tunnels. And then alternative three is they've constructed bases on the moon and in Mars to remove certain people from the planet. Uh, now, if they indeed knew the planet was doomed. That's exactly what they would do. Mm-hmm. They would keep the general population entertained, and then they would selectively remove people. Now, as long ago as the 1950s, there was a, they, you can actually read about it, there was a proposed spaceship called Orion, which is odd because they've used the same name as a future craft. It would be powered by roughly 2,000 nuclear warheads. And could carry 160 people to Mars at a time. It'd
0: be the All right, Dave, ship. All right, David. David, thank you for the call. Uh, we are sadly out of. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. We're out of time. We're going to have to have you back on. It's so fascinating. Uh, give us a website where we can uh, learn more about you.
1: Yes, it's www. Mark E L L O dot com
0: MarkMirabello.com. Mark, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for hanging out for two hours. We'll do it again soon.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And I'm, again, sorry, I tend to run
0: on a lot. But It's, it's all good uh, stuff. Verbal it's all good stuff. Oh, I wish we had four okay, hours. You. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thanks to uh, Owen and Ryan back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed. Nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark speak in the light. What I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. We're coming home. Good night.